0: The Robot Kraken. Welcome to Robot Kraken, episode 11. Uh, where Chris of Deeply Dapper and Tom of Third Rail Design Lab stop it, talk about movies, stop it, <laughs> shows, comics, entertainment news, and general business. Business. <laughs> Interesting things. Items of note. Birdman's. I am so, wearing my business socks. <laughs> I'm sure you are. So <gasps> that's another news item. All right. Oh, this really? Last, we have news? This did. Last episode, we did news and a bunch of BS, and we saved the review for this episode. However, I just remembered a news item I want to say about, which is tick. This is directly related to your your, your business. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. The Tick Casting, right? Did you read that? I
1: did, and I was very disappointed at first, and then came around to be okay with it.
0: No. How could you say this? Peter Serafinowitz? Because Patrick Warburton is the Tick to me.
1: Not anymore. He's not doing it. I know, but that disappointed me. Yeah. Because they, like, shit-canned him. him.
0: No, they didn't. Uh Yeah. He's committed to another show. Yeah, but he could have done that around that. I don't think so. I think he's got. <laughs> no, I think he's moved on from these things. He's got to get back in suit.
1: He was really upset about it, actually.
0: Well, you've really punched a hole in my excitement over. <laughs> in a way, I still think it's an excellent cast. Oh, it's character.
1: excellent. Yeah. If you can't get Warburton, this guy's fantastic for it.
0: I've always said that. I've always said that about him in Gardens <laughs> of the Galaxy. He's like, what <laughs> a bunch of I thought, hey, right there, that could have been. Putty, but, instead, <laughs> yeah, but no. Peter I Sarkozy. I was disappointed when I first saw it, but
1: I'm actually very excited about it right now. Mm. At this exact moment.
0: Okay. Well, okay. You support <laughs> me. I support your quest, whatever that. Trust the trust movie, and you, and that I've never heard of, and is probably sucky. And then uh, you support is. Peter Serpinoitz. <laughs> All right. Well, we're off to a great start.
1: So They actually cast somebody else, too, that I was excited about for the Tick, and I don't remember who it was now. Was it Arthur? Uh, no, but they did cast Arthur.
0: The premise for the, the new Tick is actually interesting, though. It's different. It's based off of the comic a lot more. Arthur's crazy, right?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: <laughs> Which makes sense. Bunny suit. I really liked all of the casting of the original Tick. So much so. I did too. So much so that, uh, especially Batman I mean, I almost named a cat after Batman Well. No, Alone is an unfortunate predicament. loneliness is an aesthetic choice.
1: I know. I'm actually really. That's one of the things that bums
0: me out the most is that I'm going to miss him. And I went, through, I went through the work of actually making my ringtone several years ago be Batman ringtone in the show that he has. <laughs> standard nerd <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> bad. really bad it's like the inception of nerdness <laughs> right
1: <laughs> uh, i'm, I'm pretty it. pretty down with that actually that's awesome
0: um similarly similarly i had a ringtone for a while that was well for at least a year that was the intro to the tv show the unit okay which was on for a while that i really liked um and uh you know it starts with a variation on uh marine sort of boot camp sort of you know training song training chant that they do when they're doing their stuff So my phone went off in some public place, and someone's like, "Oh, oh in the back." <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not. I, I was never in the Marines, but I really like that TV show. <laughs> Dennis Haysbert's <Hainsbury's> in it, <laughs> right? Anyways.
1: Yeah, they right. they have cast both Dot and uh, Arthur for it. Um, oh, Arthur is, is going to be played by Griffin Newman, who's oh. been in like almost fifty things, but I've never heard of him before. But he does yeah. look almost exactly like Arthur. And then the the actress playing Dot, I like a lot from the following. Um Ooh. her name's Valerie Curry. And mm. I don't know
0: have you ever seen that? I've seen a picture of her, but I I've never seen that show.
1: Yeah, I like her a lot.
0: I don't follow the following.
1: She's got short pixie hair. I like that. Sure, sure. Sure, sure.
0: <laughs> okay. Alright, well let's let's do our let's do our Kraken review. What are we gonna talk about today?
1: I think we should talk about
0: Zootopia. No, I'm just... <laughs> that was an amazing film. <laughs> I've heard it's excellent. Like they made so many, they, they jiggered it so much. It you know within the year before it was released in such a way that you think it's going to be terrible. Like mm-hmm. they cha- completely changed everything about that film, and it ends up being one of the best films they've ever done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good news about that show, which is in a direct contrast to the movie you know, we should review.
0: <laughs> we're going to talk about that. I think that uh, I, I can't remember a movie that had more embedded hype and was doomed to fail, uh, particularly in the eyes of both um, you know hyper committed nerd fans and the general public than this movie. Right, Avengers. You know those some of the marvel films would had a lot. Avengers had a lot going against it because it was like how could you possibly make this work with Absolutely. all these characters and they and you know they're okay and they're still great because they're okay, right? right? And then things like Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man both were seemed like real long shots and then they pulled those off. <clears throat> but here you have such embedded uh um, expectations. You're yeah. never going to sat- I knew they weren't going to satisfy a lot of people. Right. But even going in I thought, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that's not to say. I, I wrote the first thing I wrote in my notes for this was, was it good? <laughs> and what that is, is so your answer? Surprising. I don't know. I don't
1: know. <laughs> because I'm but really like now that we're not fresh right out of the movie. Yeah. I, I've i had a chance to reflect on too many things and it started changing my opinion, which always bothers me. Mm-hmm. But I never know which way is the true feeling about
0: it. You're far off <laughs> the afterglow now. Right. Well, and nothing, there's been nothing but negativity afterwards. Right. So, that starts to color your perception, right? When people are writing on it so much. But I have to say, I went uh, as my you know, my sort of annual birthday thing with our buddy uh, Lung and, and uh, I saw it and this time, I actually saw it, you know, largely sober. Oh, so my. I don't know if that helped or hurt. But we we we, we changed up the uh, the schedule of those kinds of days. Mm-hmm. We do it twice a year, right? Where it used to be that we we're riding our bikes around San Francisco, and then <laughs> we would have some beverages, and then we would go get some barbecue, and then we'd have some more beverages, and then we'd see the movie. Right, I mean, we'd have some beverages. And this time, <clears throat> we saw a morning showing. So, I, I mean, there was a beverage, but then it was straight up. <laughs> <into the movie. laughs> And then and then and then everything else followed afterwards. And so as a result, I was complete. I was basically completely sober. No, you know what it was. We had, we brought in a we brought in a fifth and and you know made you warm. But I was I was sober <laughs> through the whole thing, right. <clears throat> for better or worse. Maybe this was one where maybe that I didn't need to be, but um, it allowed me to have some clarity of my, in my thought process while I was watching it. I was making a lot of mental notes, even though I wasn't writing them down, which helps. Yeah. And, I can tell you that I came out of that enthusiastic enough. Like we were talking about it together, that there were a lot of problems with it, but we expected there to be. The Zack Snyder, right, man, movie, and we've seen the whole thing in trailers. We knew there was going to be a lot of questionable stuff. It was still fun to me. We really did see the whole
1: thing in the trailers
0: too. <sighs> It's terrible. Like, like more than
1: any other movie recently, the entire movie were in those – were. The entire movie were in them trailers.
0: The whole thing
1: was in that.
0: Yeah, it was very unfortunate. And it was frustrating me for a while there. I just was getting so annoyed at all the stuff that was being spoiled. But, you know, at the same time, I think they they knew at a certain point that it was going to be – yeah, I don't know. A, a collection of parts in unstable formation yeah. and they needed to just get as many. I think they were going for I think their their approach was they were going to market the hell out of it and hype it up to get a big opening weekend. Right. It hit it as much oh, as yeah. possible. Or the <laughs> word of mouth could say that it doesn't live up to expectations and and which is exactly what happened, right? Had a huge opening and then a yeah. 70% drop off. The, the largest
1: week. superhero opening of all time worldwide. So
0: Anyway, yeah, and then it dropped off pretty dramatically yeah. in the second, which you expected to. They're right. Still, I mean, I think they're going to they're going to make the billion that it takes to break even. Right. Um, but uh, I don't know. So, so where did a,
1: you uh, see it? Uh,
0: so I saw it. I didn't see it at the Alamo Drafthouse this time because uh, um, I think my buddy fell asleep. I'm not really sure. We didn't get. he didn't have a good opportunity for tickets there, so we instead uh, saw it at the local AMC. And because we didn't want it in 3D. We didn't even get it in the imax right? You know, assigned seats theater. We got it in the standard 2D theater. So we got there a little early and waited in line and stuff. And or actually, I mean, there wasn't really even a line. <laughs> and uh, I, the, the the later showings did have the 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 um the stanchions and everything right. set up. People are waiting like we used to do. And before we had the assigned seat option, we he and I used to go bring burritos and beer and line and stuff, right? But, this was you know, the first showing. We saw an 11 o'clock showing, and we got there right before it started, so we just dove it in. Right. Um, it, but so, so, yeah, it was just that we had some – I think we had some pocket snacks and, uh, and a fifth and a bullet, and we just nice. hit it. Hit it, right? So <laughs> I had a great time. I mean I, I had a lot of questions about things that were happening, but also I have to say I put a lot of work into two things that a lot of people don't. One is uh, I choose to like something. Right. And then I tend to like it. Or the other way around. And then also the other thing is um I'm pretty good about managing expectation, right? So I went in saying I'm gonna like the fun parts and I'm Absolutely. gonna let like go of the stuff that don't work. I don't think it's gonna be it's not no matter how much he wants it to look like it, it's not a Nolan verse film, and even then those had problems. But I choose right. to gloss over them, like Michael Mann films. Oh, there's no problems with those. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it wasn't gonna be like that, but I just said, you know, I'm gonna enjoy I'm going to enjoy the stuff I'm going to enjoy, and and I'm going to choose to enjoy it, right? Right. And I did.
1: Well, and I made the choice. Like, I saw it at one something on, like, a Tuesday by myself. Oh, good. (laughs) Uh, And I made that choice intentionally because... I knew my buddy Devin and my brother were both going into this preconceived. I'm going to hate this movie, and I'm capable of watching and enjoying pretty much anything if the right circumstances present themselves. And so I figured going into it by myself was probably the best way to watch this particular movie, especially knowing that I was going to be podcasting about it with you and not them. For sure. So I, yeah, I mean, like I, they've they've got a thing at our Carmike theater that's got a. Like, f- you you pay 20 bucks for a bucket, and you pay $4 to fill it with popcorn every time you go in. <laughs> so I do that, I smuggle a beverage in, and I'm good to go, kind of thing. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I saw it. And I think watching it under those circumstances was actually a good way to do it, because I wasn't next to somebody who was like, Ugh, what? Ugh. Instead, I was just like... Dumb superhero movie, wash over, me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just wash. Right Dell the pain. Yes. Pain. <clears throat> I mean, it, it, if I cared more about the front about the product, I would have been very frustrated by the lack, the missed potential. Right. That it, it started with the backbone of something that was solid and had uh, seasoned, uh, balanced directing and editing and had a strong vision and told a good story I would have been ecstatic and that's part yeah. of and that is part of the frustration that people say that I believe is legit which is we deserve a good movie we deserve a good right. movie these days we deserve a batman versus superman that's great on the other hand if you break apart certain aspects of it certain aspects of it were great right other parts just were the glue that just wasn't holding up didn't make any sense right well that's all about expectations how many hollywood movies do you see you know these you know the the president's plane has gone down and (laughs) and you know dr butler's (laughs) running around saving everybody san andreas right nothing made sense in those movies they're total garbage and people go for the entertainment value and that's it and they don't expect it to be shakespeare right
1: exactly
0: the nolan verse combined with the perceived rivalry with the marvel world plus the fact that the no one well i said that already um combined with the fact that star wars came out and was a heavily burdened by expectation and nostalgia project right amazing there was a lot of there was a lot of weight applied to this that it was supposed to be something bigger than it was and i think you see those trailers and you say well i can see that it's not gonna be
1: yeah well and you know Part of the problem with this movie, I think, outside of the expectations and everything else that people piled on top of it, is that they based it as a direct, 100% sequel to a flawed movie that had a pretty bad reaction in the first really? place.
0: Huh. A flaw- I mean, it, yeah. Man of Steel is flawed, but uh, do, do you think Man of Steel was more flawed than Superman Returns? Superman 3, Superman 4. I mean, well, I, I mean, our that's our the thing. is There's
1: never really been a good Superman movie. Right. I mean, even like... I mean, the first Superman movie was good for what it was kind of thing. And watching it and reading the comics when it came out, had I been born, I probably would have liked it as an analog. But... Yeah, I mean, Man of Steel, I liked better than Superman Returns. But it certainly wasn't a great Superman movie by any means.
0: Well, so so Superman Returns was visually interesting, but because it was such a love letter to Donner, right. I didn't know where its audience was, and you felt that when you're watching it. There were a few things that we've talked about before, and it's in the review that's on the site, but you know, a few things that I thought they did that were very interesting and stylistically a good choice, but otherwise um, it, it just fell apart under its own weight. What I liked about Man of Steel, again, it goes back to expectation, if we apply our perception of these projects based on what we imagine Oh, there's a puppy behind you. There's a puppy behind me. Sorry. There's a puppy
1: behind, <laughs> a puppy behind <laughs> me. What? I don't have any so, dogs. <laughs> if we apply our
0: perception based on our expectation based on the you know the, the burden the burden of our our you know, this the sheer mountain of previous material. Right. Man of Steel deviated from that and was hard for people to take. I look at these things as these, you know, it's almost like they're all multiverse, right? Everyone has its own and we'll get into that with this one but Man of Steel was the same way to me I thought that as a movie where, uh, you know as a multiverse world, whatever where Clark Kent is not being groomed by his Midwestern parents to be self-sacrificing to everybody um, in a world where his immediate first foe comes before he's even come to terms with his powers or even understands what he's doing right. and he's barely holding on and all of this damage that was applied to him you know, that it's his right. responsibility he was barely he was basically just stumbling along through the majority of that third act before he started to kind of get a handle on his flying and stuff um, all the critics of that that said oh he should have lured them out of the city and done this and this to me I felt like he was in flight or fight mode he was absolutely movie. he was just trying to deal and uh you know there's a lot of criticism about the end of that movie there's some you know criticism about some of the way his father you know well was, and that was the, really
1: uh, like like i didn't have a problem with the end of the movie honestly because it's how all of those type of movies end it's oh big fight cities get wrecked cg Fight stuff. And like you said, I didn't feel like he was the type of character that was like intentionally, oh, let's wreck Metropolis or anything like that. But he didn't know what he was doing. He was just trying to survive and defeat the bad guy. But right. it was actually the first part of the movie that re- was really super flawed for me in that where yeah. they just did not. For them to start it as an origin film. And then mm-hmm. not show any of the origin of Superman in the way he really should be. I could see that, yeah. That's But, what I mean, bothered as far as me.
0: the Metropolis stuff, um, I didn't think he was trying to fight to stop the bad guy. I think he was being hunted by... Yeah, that's three, true, too. Three military cast warriors. Yeah. And the only reason he lived through the, the bulk of that battle was that they were adjusting to the Earth, you know, the right. physical properties of the planet. They didn't even figure out that they could, you know open their helmets and all that stuff. (laughs) Right. And then once Zod figures it all out and then starts to you know, all of his experience coming to bear, he starts adapting very quickly. Right. The bottom line is, you know, he was he was he was run ragged that entire scene that whole third act. He was basically the whole he was being hunted and fighting them fighting back, but you know all the damage to the city and everything, I I don't know. You can say in hindsight, well the Superman I know should have never allowed them (laughs) do this or that, but I don't That's know. That's
1: totally not true though. I mean Superman's wrecked Metropolis dozens of times in the comics. I mean oh, it's sure. not <laughs> And he's killed and he's killed right.
0: he. and like as, as and, and we'll get into this I'm sure in our B V S stuff, but you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, how brutal Batman is. But you know going back to Batman eighty nine, Michael Keaton was
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> He had Please, machine guns to... on the front of his car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he didn't so, He didn't have those, those a...
1: installed in case he was trapped in a garage.
0: <laughs> okay. There's this artifice that these characters aren't supposed to do X and Y. And, you know, come on. And so right. that's the thing about Man of Steel. People made such a huge deal about what they thought he should or shouldn't be doing based on their, you know, the image of a more matured, um, polarizing, uh, you know, sort of unrealistic character that doesn't in my mind doesn't even apply to our contemporary world the superman, right. the vision of superman from the from the 40s uh, doesn't doesn't feel real which is why we have had decades of comic content breaking down and deconstructing superman right. because it doesn't make sense right right so so now all of a sudden we have a Superman on film that's very flawed and people are outraged that he's flawed.
1: Well, and see, and my problem, like, like the way they attached BVS... Two Man of Steel, I think, was really smart. I think the idea of taking the destroyed city and making that why Bruce Wayne is pissed off about Superman, wants to stop Superman, all of that, I think that was really cleverly done. My problem with attaching Batman versus Superman to Man of Steel is they're taking Superman, who's fresh... He's got his little baby duckling legs on. Doesn't... I mean, he's caused a lot of destruction. He doesn't know exactly what he's doing. He's had kind of a weird upbringing in terms of our Superman canon that we're used to. And then you're taking a grizzled, older Batman character. Right.
0: Who's been working for 20 years. Right.
1: And I don't like that disparity. I... It it just doesn't make as much sense to me as a Superman that's been around longer or a little bit more of a brash or younger Batman. That was my major this, problem with those attachments
0: there. I hear this over and over again about this movie that, you know, in so many ways Snyder picked stuff, picked scenes and concepts from the comics and said, you know, I'm going to take these scenes from Dark Knight I'm going to take these scenes from Death of Superman and we're going to put, spoiler alert, (laughs) right. and 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 we're just going to kind of fuse them all together. And part of the problem is that the reaction that you're seeing to Superman um, seems beyond what you would expect people to do when his solo, I mean... He's had one
1: appearance, basically. He had
0: one appearance and then he had some other stuff and then, of course, there's this this, um, ham-fisted attempt to frame him into causing, you know, supposedly causing... Uh, well, what, what's not even innocent bystander deaths, it's villain deaths. Right. So like, the, the, the terrorist action, you know, this whole thing that it, it, it's like Oh, the that, whole story that scene between,
1: in particular bothered me more than any other in
0: the movie honestly. Well, it was typical I mean, it's typical <laughs> outside its weaknesses though in that you couldn't make heads or tails of what the scene was supposed to be telling you, right? Right. Like they describe it enough in dialogue to tell you that they're supposed to be framing him. But at the time, you didn't see that as being the case. No, but, I mean, why would you use bullets <laughs> to I know, frame right. Superman? <laughs> right, right. But, but but, the whole premise of, well, the, the public is concerned about the specter of him and him. Why can't in in, you know, Senate, you know, Senate uh, hearings about whether it's too much power for one person and can he be controlled? No, you can't. And all this stuff was... It was like you skipped to the end right. on a story where he was actually flush with people's enthusiasm about, first of all, the existence of a, of a superhuman, a metahuman in their world, right. and then also the fact that he just saved the planet. Right. So, you know, it was, like, very artificial that we would skip to the point. You can accept that Wayne feels that way about Absolutely. him. Absolutely. And that there are people that are xenophobic and concerned.
1: Yeah, yeah, and with I was totally idea, okay with, like— was. Like that ex-employee that lost his legs being pissed right. off about Superman kind of thing. But for there to be this weird like, oh, we're going to frame him and there's a an intergalactic backlash against him. It just didn't make any sense in you terms don't even of...
0: Buy, the whole idea in the comics of when when people have turned against Superman was, you know, he's been selflessly, uh, you know, like the whole thing of, oh, I, I you know should i ever sleep should i ever have a a right a can? should i always just be flying around the planet trying to solve i can never i can never save everyone that burden which i have always thought was a very tangible uh you know end end point to that kind of a problem you have this power and you can't save everybody right so now it's pressure about how do you utilize it right i mean look at uh look at that whole series you know they they've done they've done several variations on the superman story in other comic properties that are sort of not parading, but making references to the idea of a Superman-type character, where you know, <clears throat> you know, multiverse stuff. Like, what if he goes? What if he goes bad? What if he Superman with son, or you know, what if? What if he was being conditioned and you I know, mean, Rising Star or whatever that was right. called. Landed we're,
1: in you, Russian instead. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you know, what? What if
0: he's decided that we're not worth saving and whatever. You know, there's a lot of you know. What if he breaks under the pressure that he can't save everybody and he has to start being strategic about how he solves his, how he solves problems? He goes after nukes and all that stuff. Right. I mean, that's a common story for him. But here, he didn't have decades of selfless acts, exactly. and now they're turning against him uh, in a jaded way. This is like he just showed up, saved the planet, and everyone's already ranting about it. Yeah. Um. So here's the thing. I have a couple quotes. Okay. There's a quote. Um, David Goyer. This was in 2008. Okay. He said, Batman versus Superman is where you go when you admit to yourself that you've exhausted all possibilities. <laughs> it's like Frankenstein meets Wolfman or Freddy versus Jason. It's somewhat of an admission that the franchise is on its last gasp.
1: Okay. So –
0: What I think about that is that I think it applies to Snyder's vision for the franchise, but not the premise of the film.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: I think they did their best to put together a story that would give you some reason to believe that they would be at odds. Um, However, for Snyder, I felt like he was grabbing at all of the big stories in DC Comics, Batman, and Superman mythology, and just Cludging them all together so that he could right. be the one to do it, right? And right. in some ways, he kind of ruined, you know, it ruined a lot of, you know, that was like three or four films worth of story, and it felt like that when you're watching it, right? Absolutely, it was yeah. Like, I, I, you could have spread that out, and it would have been interesting as a whole series of movies. And instead, they kludged it all together. And it felt very desperate.
1: Right. And that's one of the places where I think DC really drops the ball compared to the Marvel movies where Marvel is okay with pacing their conglomeration of superheroes out into multiple movies. Whereas here they're like, we've got to come up with a reason for the Justice League to exist in one movie. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. And it was such a weird way Uh, of doing that. Yeah. So here's here's another uh, quote that I really like. This is from Charlie Jane Anders at io 9 um, who will all, I will always love because um, she uh, posted some of my art on Ion I one time. <laughs> <Sorry. Or> twice, <laughs> twice. Okay, so uh, so she said I've always had a soft spot for Man of Steel, and that's why I'm sad that Batman vs Superman is essentially a rehash of that earlier film, using the same basic structure and engages with all the same ideas, mm-hmm. except with the grace and agility. Of a man with all of his fingers duct taped to each other and then to a styrofoam beer cooler. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's pretty Point. fantastic. Pretty great. Yeah. I like that. I like that.
0: <laughs> it's all about expectations, though, right?
1: It really is, and it really depends, too, on what you want out of a superhero movie. And I have like a total like triple standard in terms of that, because there are some movies that I go in expecting really good things, and if I don't get really good things, I'm disappointed. Most of the DC movies, I go into them wanting to be vaguely entertained, but not expecting anything that I'm going to love and cherish. And so in that respect, I was okay with BVS.
0: We haven't gotten through phase two for Marvel in our discussions, but um, yeah, I feel like Avengers. So Iron Man's two and three, Thor: Dark World maybe questionable, um, but uh, but but really Avengers and Avengers: Age of Ultron right. were to me the weakest of the franchise because they they reminded me that I'm too old for superhero team-up movies in that <laughs> having them together fighting a common enemy is just not that interesting to me compared to the nuance of the solo films. Right. Or, or how the Captain America films are doing the comic-style team-up of people all together in that story, mm-hmm. but with a real premise to it. Like So Civil War looks much more interesting to me than either of the Avengers movies did. Mm-hmm. Right? And Winter Soldier felt more much more interesting to me than either of the two Avengers did. I agree. So you know I think that I think part of the problem is that um Marvel has a track record of developing enough characterization and nuance. You could criticize those movies. Right. But they but they play well, they watch well, you invest in them, you invest in the story for the characters, and here uh, you know they did a good. They made a good effort at throwing some new characters at you and giving you some sense that they existed. In the case of Batman's, it's very artificial. He's been around. They're totally. They're totally trading on your your life memory of right. how that character is supposed to be. Not just now, but the vision of him as an old Batman. They're playing. They're they're completely playing to that, but at the same time, it's all shorthand, right? Yeah, like they didn't really develop anything about him. He did great. I think yeah but they didn't develop the character at all um Mar- the Marvel films it, it, so an equivalent analog to me is Guardians of the Galaxy we we inter- we're introduced to these characters they have very little opportunity for origin for any of them and yet you feel like you know the various characters in that team yeah on an emotional level and what their motivations are and by the end of that movie you feel like you you feel like you've known them forever
1: yeah very um, true
0: I, you know I never even read a Guardians <clears throat> of the Galaxy comic, right? Do you know yeah, what I
1: mean? Yeah, and I've I picked up a couple of them almost exclusively just because my brother really liked the quarter bins when we'd go to the comic <laughs> shop. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know what I mean like that 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 type of of uh of uh screenwriting and uh putting film together, it's about characterization and it's about um choices that make you invested in it. And Right. Yes had a whole lot of fight night vibe to it and a lot of artifice about how they would set up this conflict. But you felt like – or at least I felt like Snyder was tasked with this or I don't know how this came about. But he had come to the conclusion that, well, this is the scene we're going to have and we're just going to have to – we're going to have to web the scenario, the plot together to support it. (laughs) Right, Right, right. These are the images I'm pulling from the comic.
1: Yeah, these are going together. to be the exact shot of Batman on the edge of the thing shooting his grappling hook, and that has to fall into this movie somewhere.
0: <laughs> I don't have my thoughts on this movie organized in any way, but um, I have one, which is that it's really unfortunate that this movie came out a week after, or a week and a half after Daredevil.
1: I agree.
0: Daredevil handled, Daredevil Season 2 handles almost the exact same themes as Batman v. Superman. Right. Atlantism, you know, unchecked power versus the the, you know, the artificial criminal justice system. Right. that Man, has it Right. Um, differences in differences in technique and the degree to which, you know, the extent to which someone's going to break the law to to do something, the criticism of what they're doing. Where's too much? You know, when is it too much? What does right. it take to push you to that level? Um, the hypocrisy in judging. Right, Mm -hmm. because, and and we'll probably get into this, but you know, Batman or uh, Superman, you know, going after Batman for his image in the press about being a Batman (laughs) didn't didn't really hold up. Right, Right. Uh, you know, uh, everything that. (laughs) That Daredevil, I thought, struck very. I mean, and also, Daredevil had a lot of different pieces moving at the same time, and you'll see this by the time you get to the end of this of the season. Mm-hmm. But they give it enough, and granted, they had enough time to do this—thirteen hours. But right, <laughs> stories are fairly organic, in that you are following different <clears throat> threads, different threads that are connected in theme, but also kind of go in different directions. Whereas it didn't feel like it was all clued together like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to root for Batman when I was watching this, mm-hmm. not Superman. And, you know, we saw in the production of this that it went from a Superman, tra- uh, Superman pr- uh, sequel right. to, well, we're going to insert Batman into this. OK. Oh, actually, we're going to insert Wonder Woman into this, too. Right. Oh, okay. And we're going to do the Justice League. And so, you know, you, you could tell you saw even in the press stuff that they were adding. They were changing the film as they went. Absolutely. And just like uh, Zootopia, which we mentioned earlier, was radically changed halfway through, it changed for the better. Right. And in this case, it felt like they that the studio had, you know, from like it was merchandised to death. It it felt like they they assembled the pieces like in one of those, you know, know, built you know those. Remember, remember when the when the web was a little bit younger and you could find a a, a role playing game encounter generators you know he would right. press a button, let's say this happens at a gas station and he is a you know <laughs> yeah it really does have
1: what? a lot of that vibe to it it's like they they took certain scenes and then just randomly generated where they were going to appear and what had to happen to get there and they're like oh well batman suddenly appears and then the internet's like hey batman we like batman they're like we added more Batman to this film, yep. <laughs> and they're like, "Yep, people liked it when we added Batman. Let's add Aquaman."
0: <laughs> I can't say that I feel sorry for Henry Cavill because he's rich and handsome, and right. and actually he's actually he's pretty honest in his interviews, which he got is. him in a little bit of trouble, which is kind of funny. He's really douchey, but he's honest about it, he and I'm is. okay with that. Yeah, but I can't, I don't feel sorry for him, but I have to imagine. That when they did Man of Steel and did okay, and then they said, we're going to do another one, and it's going to right. be this big thing. Open up the world and, you know, create this whole series and franchise, and he's all excited about it. And they're like, oh, and Batman's going to come and be a dick, and you're going to beat him up. <laughs> oh, hold, on, hold on a second. Ow. Ow. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's like, awesome. You know, right. Here. And then they said, oh, and by the way, actually, he's testing really well. So it's really – actually, we're now we're going to call Batman be Superman. And also – it's really not a Superman movie anymore. <laughs> right? You know that he must have been like, oh,
1: well, all right. It just—it really bothers me that they did nothing to humanize Clark Kent.
0: They never did. He was at all. all although, although, although he. This is the first time when Clark Kent. Um, Seems as inexperienced and half-assed as he would be if he just showed up and was handed a job in a, in a major. <laughs> Which is publishing. very
1: true. He didn't have the right. the stuttering like personality and the the humanization I want out of my Clark Kent. But on the whole, you know, I mean, uh, meeting you and Jimmy Olsen and yeah. Mister White, gosh, on the whole, I'd say it's been swell. Swell. But Thank I you. did love that he was just like, but I want to report on this, so I'm going to go do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I check Dropbox. It's empty. <laughs> right. <laughs> You really get the feeling that the Clark Kent persona was just barely, just barely there. Yeah, right. It was just right. Like the, skin, the snake molting, right. right. I think my problem was, I mean, I loved, um, I loved how Ben Affleck came at the older Batman. I yeah. loved his look in the costume. I loved his look as Bruce Wayne. Me, that me whole too. intro of him running in to the into the still too soon nine eleven imagery. Right, right. <laughs> The the sort of this vague reference to a a beloved confidant at Wayne Enterprises being taken out along with all these other people. Right. Now, I really thought his. You know that's, that that we talked about it before. That Affleck sort of know gritting his teeth and <laughs> so fucking pissed. Oh, hold on a second. Ow. Um. You buy all that. Right. And then when you get into his actual motivations and what he does in the film, he is not the detective Batman. No. He's no. Thug. And, and I know that they're trading to some degree on the Dark Knight comic where he has, you know, we've gone 30 years down into the future and Superman is an ultra-nationalist and Batman's gotten really hardened and has the whole army of that, whatever, vigilantes out there. Right. and You know, it's become these, I mean, that, that comic itself, Frank Miller, for everything that he did wrong, one thing he was doing well was satirizing the hero worship. Right. right. In this case, though, in this movie, Batman was a thug. And he did not demonstrate tactical knowledge. He did not demonstrate uh, strong detective skills. He did not suggest to you that he has been at it for 20 years. Not even remotely, no. He he didn't even come across as a guy that was really on top of his game and then lost everything and got broken by the loss of his Robin, whatever.
1: Batman, we're helpless in this monstrous, invisible grip.
0: Right has
1: become embittered
0: he didn't even read that way
1: yeah it was just like like some vague passing references to it and like oh okay so he's not actually in wayne manor because that's the wreck of it there which they showed really vaguely twice maybe and he's living in a lake house now and i mean if he didn't have alfred in this he would have been utterly useless as a batman
0: (laughs) well as i was thinking about while i was watching it i thought you know what in this movie, Batman is the Punisher. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, Daredevil just did Punisher better than any Punisher's ever been. Way better, better. than I could have ever imagined. You'll see, I mean, it, <laughs> it gets better and better. I just, I was so overwhelmed by how good Daredevil season two was in my mind. And then here, I'm seeing Superman as Daredevil squaring off against Batman as Punisher. Right. And it doesn't have any of the resonance. And granted, they didn't have the time for it. Right. But it's just, there's no they're there.
1: No. I, I um, mean, the, the character can be fully realized even if he only has five minutes of screen time.
0: <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy again. Right. right? Um, here's a quote that I don't have a source for. The problem essentially stems from the fact that we have two entirely different personas and versions of Batman. One is a smart, cunning, investigative vigilante detective i.e. the original version of Batman. Mm-hmm. not sure that's accurate. The other is a dark, yeah. brooding attack dog with sociopathic or psychopathic tendencies, which Frank Miller turn him into. That's not to say which is superior, because both have their place, just not together. Right. And I think that that's kind. Of, I, I think that's misleading, because the original Batman was brutal. Right. And then he was flying in with purple gloves and a gun, right? Right. And then, and then he was neutered. And then he became the detective in the whole Neil Adams era. Right. And then he was hardened again in '86. And you know, I was struggling riding today on my bike. I thought I was trying to figure out whether uh, I couldn't remember if uh, Batman Year One came before or after Dark Knight, and it, and it was actually a year after. It was but okay. Had had that happened in and in, in the inverse, and had Batman Year One come out first? Mm-hmm. Think of how much different. I think our perception of Batman as a character would be Dark Knight not only defined him as that sort of really brutal, bitter, um, sort of singular focus. Right. That's vigilante and not a detective. But it also opened the floodgates to that kind of character writing for a decade. Very true. And beyond, right? Right. Whereas Batman Year One established a guy who was a human who wanted to fight crime and had some emotional issues and used a lot of technique to make himself fearful to enemies, and he's fighting crime lords, not super villains, right? right. Batman Year One is an amazing story. I love it to death, and uh, you know how I love you know, superheroes starting out and making mistakes, right? I love the fact that he's like, you know, here's a, here's a here's a smoke grenade, and here's my big cape, and I'm going to scare you, and then oh, I'm going <laughs> to twist my ankle on my way out, twist my 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 Doc Martens, you know, right. Had that been what defined in the '80s what Batman was, we would have had a completely different perspective today on that character. Absolutely. I, I don't know. Yeah, I he did not detect.
1: Now that, that you're that saying that, I just really want to see a Batgirl Year One comic, so or movie, so bad. <laughs> have you read that comic? <laughs> oh, I love that comic
0: so so, so
1: amazing and it would make such a great break from this type of thing and show the oh, I'd love to see that
0: <laughs> I feel like a Batgirl comic has to exist in a world where we've already seen these other characters established I agree because The one of the best things about that Batgirl year one project was they rationalized her having yellow Right, kooky yellow, co- blue and yellow costume <laughs> and all that stuff that the modern era has abandoned. Right, from the eighties and seventies, you know, and you know that she is this next gen younger girl who's like, you know, I don't care, it looks cool. I'm right, do it. I don't care, I'm taking on your image and I'm running with it, which I and, love. <laughs> yeah, you buy it because the character wants to do it. Right, they don't think that they're being a scary bat character. Yeah. They, Taking on some of the imagery and running with it. And they're going to ride the motorcycle and try not to get killed. Yeah. It has to be in a world where everything about Batman is the big, dark, scary bat in the corner. And she shows up in the neon yellow and is like, well, nope, that's what I'm going to do. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sort of punk rock, right? Yeah. Which is exactly what they did, right up to the boots. Yeah. That is, is, it's a postmodern. They established a postmodern take on the big bat vigilante. Exactly, was so great.
1: Yeah, and there's there's a part of me that's really like genuinely hoping that that's what they do with Suicide Squad to a certain extent, where they take that type of postmodern commentary on the characters and add a little bit of some fun to it because that's really what the DC universe is missing right now.
0: Right, right. It takes itself very seriously. Yeah. So uh here's the thing uh Batman was not a good detective in this film. No, not even remotely. He did not like he never did a homework on Superman. Like he never did any research <laughs> no. on Superman that he hates so much. He didn't do anything like, you know, cross-checking where he was, when he was there and what the, you know, it, we've always said that besides the fact that Clark Kent is obviously Superman with right. glasses on. It's like also Clark Kent's always writing about Superman. He makes that reference in the in the film when he's, right that moment where they I think they are figuring out who each other are. Certainly right. Superman knows who he is because he hears the yeah he knows but, like right away that he is. But I think he is seeing it from in in Clark Kent as well. And at that moment, you know, okay, so he's been he says you've been writing the Daily Planet keeps writing puff pieces, right. So, if he was a detective, even at any regular, <laughs> even a good standard police detective, would have figured out that Clark can, that uh, Superman had a secret identity and that he was masquerading as a normal human somewhere. Absolutely, right? not a not a normal human masquerading as a superhero, but vice versa, <laughs> right? Well, and there
1: wasn't even like like Batman wasn't even a good spy. Like oh. his entire plan for getting the information <laughs> from Luther is. It's thought up by Alfred. (laughs) And Alfred's like, this is how you get in. This is what you'll do. I'll walk you through it. And then he goes downstairs. He's like, oops, somebody took it before me. (laughs)
0: Let's hope our our transmission is not detected or broken. (laughs) Right. But I mean, you know, if you want to go after, if if you're going after someone. Right. Hard, in whatever context, you want to know what their weaknesses are and exploit them. Absolutely. And... While the final – while the big battle between them had him utilizing different techniques to try to uh, exploit weaknesses that he did not legitimately have a reason to know. Right. Nor had they been established in this world. Right. He did not do any of the homework that would really make it. So all he had to do was do a little research and figure out the parallels between Superman and Clark Kent. Or right. even that Superman is always hanging out. He's always seen hugging – fucking Lois oh, – yeah, hold on he, a second. he – He saves her constantly. Right. So why is he going after Lois Lane in the same way that the villains are?
1: Right, right. There's no reason for this movie to have not shown him planting bugs in Lois Lane's apartment where she's lounging around naked in the bathtub with Clark Kent and talking openly about being Superman. Uh, there's no reason for him to have not been prowling around that ship and looking at the crash site and trying to find out more about that end of things. I mean, why is uh, – there's just so much detective stuff that the detective did not do that just doesn't make any sense at all, really.
0: It was really like Superman appeared last week.
1: Yeah, and yeah. And
0: he's just coming up with a plan on, on the fly to deal with it. Yeah,
1: and if that's the case, he has no reason to have any idea – at all of what capabilities Superman does and doesn't have.
0: Well, and also, it sounds too Machiavellian, maybe, that, oh, well, he's going to go after Superman's girlfriend or whatever. But he sees Superman as an extinction-level event. Right. He's doing all this because he wants to take him out and kill him.
1: Yeah, this isn't somebody that's... This isn't somebody that's seen Superman do some good over the last few years and then done something really terrible that he needs a good whipping down and, right. like, a good talking to. This is somebody that's like, this guy needs to be eliminated.
0: This is, the Batman in that movie is a, I think, a criticism of the preemptive war on terror.
1: I'm assuming so. I think, although yeah. I can't
0: tell. It almost seems like Zack Snyder is the type to be pro- preemptive war on terror i can't yeah. really figure it out but he's written that way and it's the same it's the same problem that well the ends justify the means right i will go after the family i will send drone strikes in and if the family members get killed oh well at least we got the terrorist target right, right. it's a same duty and yet he's not going after he's not trying to do any research on who batman cares about and if you no. look at a, a godlike figure that's running a humanoid godlike figure that's has this potential to destroy the world and he's so scared of, um, of course you're gonna look for weaknesses that um cause him to use restraint. Right. Cause him to pause and obviously it's gonna be his emotional connections to things. Well and thought it just that Superman was if he thought Superman was this big bad they didn't right. care about anything, like a traditional supervillain, then it would be all about war. Right. But but he very clearly is a guy that's supposedly doing good and caring about humanity. Right. And Batman's going after him for what he could do. Therefore, he is assumed to have weaknesses in his love for humanity that he should have been exploited. That he didn't. Right. Not. Well, and he he so
1: single-mindedly goes after the kryptonite once it shows up on the little drive. I mean, that's all he no, cares he, about.
0: He already he knew about it. Remember that whole thing was his. Alfred was like, "Well, you know, the." The white... what was it? The white... white whatever it was. The white monarch or whatever. Oh, right, right. It's like, that's not a... That's not a person. That's a ship. And oh, says, that's true. Yeah, he did know about
1: that. Yeah. So How the, the hell did he know out?
0: about that? I don't know, but it was like the only detective thing he was doing.
1: Yeah, that's true. He was just like <laughs> abusing like people and branding them. And then... Yeah. Like, he knew about it the whole time, despite the fact that it didn't make any sense because nobody
0: really knew. <laughs> However... As I turned to my pal in the movie, do they not have Google? <laughs> like, when, right. when, when everyone's mentioning, you know, like, all well, the white, whatever it was. Yeah, the white know, Duchess they, or whatever. White, yeah. D- yeah, right. The Duke, whatever that hell that reference was. Right. Why didn't someone just look it up? Because t- I can tell you from having multiple cars from Germany shipped over on cargo <laughs> ships, I Google it. I find out where the cargo ship is. I know where my car is. The, right. So I know <laughs> uh, there's a man easy to find all the manifests in the world for major cargo ships, you know. Well, and a if Google he already knew what
1: kryptonite was, and that it was coming in, then he should have already known that it was a boat he was looking for.
0: Well, and I mean, they they imply that he knew, but he had kept Alfred in the dark, right? But I'm just saying, even Alfred's doing all, half the work for him. I'm surprised that any of them had. I'm surprised that not only. Did Alfred not know? But how? How about law enforcement or anybody else in the story? Right, like all of the, like the artifice of that code name, made no sense because anybody investigating crime, right. would have done a search on that. Format. Well,
1: and let's let's be honest. Alfred knows everything Batman knows in this movie. Right. Uh, he right. probably knows twice as much as Batman.
0: <laughs> it was cool. This Batman, although this is a, the first Batman that's drinking on the job. Also, it was cool that he offered Alfred some coffee. and That was nice.
1: Yes, that was sweet of
0: him. Um, so <clears throat> how about the fact that he figured out who – that Superman was Clark Kent and then he didn't expose him?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous for his motivation there.
0: What about his super sweet email? I mean I couldn't even – I was just falling apart during that email – To Wonder Woman. Yeah. Hey, Wonder Wonder Woman, comma, Woman at (laughs) gmail.com. This is not, this is not for you. This is, boldface, is you, all caps, (laughs) who are you? You're right. Question mark. It's like, can you read my mind? You know, it's like... I didn't mean, know what was happening. I was imagining myself. Was, was did, did Zack Snyder write that? It was is his? Is he at age thirteen? It's really like, funny to me that in my
1: head, that's how Frank Miller writes emails.
0: Yeah, yeah it really <laughs> is. It really is. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that email exchange right there felt like one of those things where they're like, oh shit, we forgot the rest of the Justice League was supposed to be in this. Maybe we should add this
0: in here. (laughs) But the thing is, you have decades of perfectly good material in Justice League comics in the contemporary world where Batman is like that super cool, knows everything, says everything, super like deadpan, all that GLI stuff and, and Justice League stuff where you can see him writing something like, you know... You know, I, I could see him sending her the photo and being like, you know, oh, you know, nice, nice, nice boots. Right. You know what right. I mean, like found this you know, like being very callous and, and and but sarcastic about it. That is very obvious that he knows that, that he even if he only just came across this information, he understands what he's seeing. Right. But like, who are you? Who are you? Who
1: am Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman, you am pretty even back then. How
0: it's awesome, though, is that Lex Luthor managed to wrangle his graphics department at LexCorp to create custom logos for each of the people that they had costumes awesome on.
1: He's like, I can't have regular folders. We we, we we need to have custom images on them. That guy's fast. <laughs>
0: So ridiculous.
1: I don't even want to talk so, about Lex Luthor because it's just going to piss me off. Oh, no, no, no. We're <laughs> going to diverge. So, how about
0: this? He did not use decoys in Luther's security free house. First of all, Luther had a security free house. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was it's just so chill. chill. He didn't use any decoys. Why didn't he light a fire in the corner? Why right. Didn't he use EMP. Why didn't he do any number? He's just of like
1: things? I'm going downstairs now. Oh, this this isn't the bathroom. It was the most sitcommy excuse for being on a floor you're not supposed to be on, this
0: I've ever seen in a movie. I'm <laughs> in mean, this all glass ser- unlocked server room. It's right. Not the It's so (laughs) maddening. It visually looked great. It did. It it made no sense. Although it felt like like the
1: house was super tiny from the way it was shot. Like there's this big ballroom that doesn't look like it belongs in a house at all. And then he goes down the stairs and there's like this small kitchen
0: and then this weird little glass server room. No, no. Listen right now. I have to bring this to bear. I'm an architect (laughs) in my day life, it drives me nuts that they had the the classic hustle bustle kitchen right with a server room attached to it right nothing about that makes sense why at uh, yeah the scale of the
1: house. and when you're talking about <laughs> throwing in a house where you're throwing that kind of party you don't have that really long curvy staircase that those people have to carry all that shit up <laughs> <laughs> he's like Where's walking pa- past people with uh, with the, the hors d'oeuvres on the tray and it's like what the hell what the- those people have to walk up and down those stairs all night they don't it's have an elevator
0: he needed a elevator. <laughs> I know someone uh,
1: that can that can design that for him
0: how about <laughs> yes you do how about how about just having a couple of a uh, you know black tie security standing around right but like, why wouldn't you have people per- limiting the back of house from the front of the house why wouldn't you even have a stanchion right, well and why it, does he have all of that on the server at his house in the first place and like size that we're not hating entirely on this movie <laughs> he actually enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, we should and now specify it's that destroying it apart. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, and I'm really curious why his server room was approximately the size of like your closet of streaming stuff. It wasn't like it was like, and it's, it was like three hard drives stacked on top of each other in a glass room. <laughs> yeah.
0: it it was super tough. And even if they skipped to the end, this would it was a, cl- a closed network, right? And couldn't be accessed from outside. This was. This was an opportunity for him to do a little uh you know stealthy, Oceans <laughs> Eleven style stuff to get in there right and, and hack it and instead he just walked up and stuck a module on it. you know. <laughs> I, like, I was just impressed he didn't use a USB drive like they would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Independence Day, right? Yeah. Where they put the Independence Day, where they had the USB slot in the alien ship.
1: Yeah, conveniently yeah. though, there was that that one cable that had a connector in the middle, so that he could hook it okay. into. Okay, right.
0: <laughs> so also in the actual combat with Superman, very low strategy. On the one hand, it was set up as if he had this whole thing planned out that he would lead him ultimately through the punching <laughs> of this thing and like like surfing him down right the ground. Dragging him with the chain all the way into the other room and then that's where he's left the, 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 spear, the spear, which is all very, very dramatic stage dressing. Yeah. Made no sense strategically.
1: Not even remotely. Why in the world would you have been like, I'll mount this in the ground here where he won't notice it instead of having it in like a metal pouch on my back.
0: <laughs> well, and, and the other thing was, a lot of the stuff he used in that battle, they don't even fully explain as being strategic stuff. Right. But I think it was. But at the same time, it was going after weaknesses that he didn't know. Right. Like for example, I first thought he was using conventional weaponry and smoke bombs and things to just give him a false sense of security to make him get close enough that he could then do his stuff. Right. And yet, he could have just waited around for him to go up and say, you know, whatever the bad is dead. Okay, do it then, right? Like, he didn't <laughs> need to do all that to get a false sense of security. There was never a question. Because exactly. Superman never considered him a threat. So you don't have to, you don't have to convince him right. to let down his guard when he didn't have a guard to let down to him. Right? right. However, they've said that the bombs, he said, like, three times in interviews that the the smoke bombs that went off were lead, that were lead-based, they were, like, mm-hmm. lead powder in the air that was distracting him. Right. And then the sonic, were playing on his weakness to sonic energy. Well, hello, what weakness? Yeah, to that there was nothing what, that ever showed that. <laughs> keep in mind, Man of Steel, Kryptonite didn't exist, and his his uh, his plot driven weakness was atmosphere <laughs> or whatever right. that was. Kryptonite. Tony atmosphere on the ship,
1: and it all right. took None place in this one battle, and that's the only footage he has showing any of
0: Superman's powers. <laughs> it's like anything. It's like any comic, any comic book story where they try to make it too realistic, and I always ask myself, why isn't there a sniper rifle? Why right. isn't someone like this whole thing about Iron Man, in all of the stories about Iron Man, someone going after Iron Man, I'm always like, why isn't there someone using one of those super long-range sniper rifles, and they're, you know, several right. hundred meters out, fire the shot, take him out. And granted, yeah. contemporary Iron Man in the comics has all those automated defense systems that are always, right you know, going. But in the case of, like, Superman they kind of made the, they kind of suggested that he was so distracted by his emotional frustrations with what was happening and his being disturbed by the circumstances that he was not listening. Like the whole bomb went off in the Senate hearing because he wasn't listening for it. Right. He could have, he just was distracted and he went into this battle, not, not being on his game because he wasn't taking it seriously and he was emotional Okay, so if that's the case, he could have had a sniper rifle. What the hell? If you want to make it cool, Snyder, use a 50 cal. Like right. Put kryptonite, kryptonite shells in it, right? Yeah. Like right. why did it have to be this, like, uh, you know, close in, uh, uh, you know, kryptonite gas gas grenades and then the spear? And then right. why would you use a spear? Why yeah. wouldn't you do, you know, uh, microfilaments and things? Yeah, right? the, and then, it
1: makes absolutely no sense why he was like, oh, this This here primitive spear is going to be the answer.
0: <laughs> well, you know, ultimately it was because it looked cool. Right. right. Or in his mind it looked cool. It, but if, ultimately it was
1: because that's what they needed to kill Doomsday. day with.
0: <laughs> but not before she goes and buries it in the Superman 1 style pool. Oh, and man. Then, <laughs> and then has to go get it out again. She's and, like, don't.
1: <laughs> Guess I better go uh, back in there.
0: It struck me when I was watching this that um, as much as they made Luther and Doomsday these obvious antagonists, Batman was the villain in the movie. Right. He had the evil scheme. He plotted a murder that had left he left destruction in his wake. Right. Right. And he was rationally brutal and driven like a caricature. Right. He did not act like a. Um, you know, ascension adult. He was very. He had this childlike, uh, two-dimensional hatred that was blinding him to the context in which he was acting all the way up until the, the Martha thing, which made no sense. But do you know what I mean? Right. He was straight up, villain in that entire movie. and yeah. I, And the fact is, rooted for him, which is says something <laughs> right. says something terrible about how we feel about Superman. But you know, he was yeah. the bad guy.
1: Yes. And, what? yeah, I don't know. I just, like you said, we enjoyed the movie. We're, we're picking it to pieces. But, I mean. <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess there's a line between it not making any sense and it still being enjoyable. <laughs> it was fun.
0: Uh, Garmin, who's uh, the co-host of a podcast with Kevin Smith, called him Bat-Trump. Bat he was a Trump. rich guy with a bad... Rich guy with a bad attitude that hated immigrants.
1: (laughs) Nice. That's pretty accurate, actually. Yeah, I I really liked him as Batman. I think he's possibly one of my favorite film Batmans. He was just not written as Batman. Right. Like, Like, again, Snyder hit all the looks points, but not the talking points on him.
0: Well, and this is this is what I feel about Luther as well, which I think you you do not. But um, <laughs> I think if you disassociate this with the canon that you've known mm-hmm. and you establish Batman as a in this world, a fairly uh, uh, overly driven vigilante who has never had much in the way of resistance to himself. Like mm-hmm. he's just going after criminals, street criminals this entire right. time. And the specter potentially joker and these things that have happened in his past. But the idea is he has never been intellectually challenged. So it's right. Physical. He has been, a, he's been a vigilante. He's been the punisher for all this time. Right. Um, you know, if you go at it from that perspective, he is not the Batman that we know. He's not the detective, right. he's not the organizer and at the end of the film he starts to become that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I get that. I just I I guess <sighs> I would have enjoyed this film post film a lot more had I gone into it seeing a sort of green Batman as well as right. the green Superman, because right. the simple fact that supervillains still exist in that world, Superman wouldn't, or Batman, as portrayed in this film, would not have survived long enough to get to this point. Right. Because he's not a smart enough person. For them to, I mean, they they established the Joker exists with that shot of the the costume with the ha-ha-has on it or whatever, oh. and the, the burnt-down Wayne Manor.
0: But and the graffiti, Right. The
1: graffiti. right, Joe Kerr, yeah, oh my all God poems, right? uh, so, uh, and I think I would have liked it better if they just like if he existed in a world where he was just beating up thugs and that kind of thing, but when you start to add in anything more sophisticated than oh, look, it's side street drug dealer, Bob it's that batman couldn't have survived
0: well and the the way that they framed it in the trailers and in the beginning of this film it seemed to suggest that wayne was driven by the disaster in metropolis to develop a plan to take down Superman as in revenge or preemptively for something worse happening. Right. Yeah. Then we find out he's been active for 20 years. Right. Which means That in that metropolis scene, when he's running there, he's already been Batman for 15, right? Or 17 years. At least. Yeah. So it's a completely, so on the one hand, I feel like when they wrote that way, they're saying, well, he was so neutered in that moment because he's committed his life to, To try to stand up for his people Right Although they're across the river In Gotham (laughs) Yeah um, Plus (laughs) in the Metropolis Tower Or whatever Yeah And here's a guy And here's a guy who's just Wantonly laying waste To the entire city Sorry Right. Yeah, all of your all of your street level shenanigans don't matter because you know right we're, we're using ships to plow through buildings. The way I complain uh, that swords sliced through knives, although it was <laughs> a very cool looking image. It was a very cool looking image watching the ships cleave the buildings. It was cool looking, yeah, but it but it totally stole from Avengers, right? Yeah, like the big giant slimy things.
1: And on that note, we're going to pause for the week and be back with our second half of our Batman vs. Superman review, in which you can hear Tom say this.
0: I think it's time for some positives.
1: On our regular release day of Tuesday, things are a little akimbo right now as we prep for some cons and try to get my schedule back to a regular recording schedule and editing schedule as well. But we still hope to have an episode for you every Tuesday. If you'd like to get a hold of either of us, you can go to robot-kraken.com for all of our semi-daily updates to the world of nerd. You can also send us an email at salty at robot-kraken.com. We're on Twitter now. Our username there is at Robot Kraken. You can also go to our group on Facebook... And more importantly, if you like the show, review us on iTunes and subscribe. That helps us show up higher in the listings, and we can grab more converts to the world of Standard Nerd. We hope you liked this episode of Robot Kraken, and again, we'll be back Tuesday with the second half of our Batman vs. Superman coverage. As always, this has been the Robot Kraken podcast, brought to you by your friends at Standard Nerd. To the Batcave, we
0: haven't one moment to lose.
1: Manuel.